0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Richest Men in Town podcast. I'm Mike Freeman and along with my good friend and co-host Tyler Gould, we're excited to welcome you to our little podcast project. Tyler and I are just a couple of middle-aged husbands and dads driven to live our best lives. We want to be better every day, so here we'll be sitting down with great people, not famous people, but great people that we admire, to learn their secret to living the rich life. Probably not the rich life you're thinking of. Our guests come in humbled and surprised at the invitation and hopefully leave feeling proud and grateful, realizing just how good they really have it. So pull up a chair, stay a while, and raise a glass with us as we toast our guests to the richest men in town. Okay, Tyler Gould, how are you? Great, Mike Freeman. What a night, man. What a night. Sergio Carzoli burned the place down. He was here. He's a good friend of yours. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy from Chula Vista. Yep. Navy guy. Navy guy, through and through. And man, he tells us a story that we haven't heard before, which is fantastic. And that's a little more challenging because this is a milestone episode. We are at number 25. So props, ribbon time. Yes. Right? Tell us, tell us some of the things that you dug about uh, our time with Sergio tonight.
1: I mean, Sergio, is, he's, just, uh, he, he's, he's a guy that knows what he wants in life, right? And I think that when you listen to his story and you listen to uh, kind of the evolution of his priorities and, and what happens in his life, it comes very clear that he's all about his family. He's all about his faith. And he's all about helping other people. And I've had the pleasure of watching him help other people for a lot of years. So it's been fun. And tonight was fun just to, to learn some of, his, uh, some of where that comes from.
0: I, I love how you say where that comes from, because we're able to actually see it evolve as we hear the story. We know him as a grinder. We know him as a, as a he's not quitting on anything, right? He's got to get pulled out of an Ironman competition because the conditions are brutal, but he's not quitting, but we know why he doesn't quit. Yeah, We know the story of his mom growing up. We know the story of him not speaking English, living in El Paso, going to school, wrestling coach, right? One experience after another, one pivotal moment, one person, After the next is helping to almost like a sculptor molds. Yeah. We see Sergio and that character molding, man. He spoke right to me. Like, I don't know if anyone has yet. I felt like it was literally like, you know what? We don't even have to post this thing. Sergio Carzoli mission accomplished because I have learned some things and it comes from dudes that are awake at the wheel yeah they are paying attention when messages and lessons important messages essential messages are delivered sergio shares a couple that if he's not paying attention he misses and we talk about multiple on ramps and other chances and i'm sure other chances will be delivered sure. but when you meet your wife at the and she's 11 <laughs> You're paying attention to things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's he, what I get from Sergio paying yeah, attention. Absolutely. And I thought it was interesting too. He said, you know, after kind of after our, you know, we were wrapping up the, the show, he made a comment. He said, if I got that job at the Marriott hotel, I would know you. And it just kind of brought that really clear about how, you know, things happen and sometimes we don't understand it and sometimes we think that's one of the worst things that could happen and it turns out being and we a raise a lesson. fist,
0: right? We raise yeah. a fist and we're angry and it's like why did you take this? Why did that not happen? Why yeah. I I I needed that. I'm the gardener here. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was it was a great night. I I enjoyed it Mike and and I I think our listeners are going going to enjoy uh, hearing from, from Sergio. You know, I, I, it's like I told him tonight. I think uh, the more people that know Sergio Carazzoli, the better off this world's
0: going to be.: Oh man, You didn't win the right way. Two feet in church. Yeah. Leap. Yes. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. It's all about powerful. It's all about trying to be better. It's all about trying to be of influence. That's what we, this, That's what this show's about. And Sergio delivered. Well, I, I think actually at one point in the show, I give him rights to the show.
1: I think you did. You. I think you actually dismissed me from the show, and you brought him on as
0: a
2: co-host. So. <laughs> it was good.
0: <laughs> such a great teacher. Such a great teacher. Um, I, I really hope our listeners are paying attention. Yeah. It would be ironic for somebody teaching us about paying attention and, and us not paying attention to those lessons. Um, if you are struggling, I promise you, taking the time to listen to Sergio Carzoli is going to help you. It's not going to make your problems go away, but it's going to help you understand the role that you have in addressing those problems. The enemy's yeah. us. Yeah. We got to get out of our way. As we listen to great guys, as we listen to those richest men in town, we, we're going to hear some things. Encourage you to take some notes, and more important, take action. I'm okay with you even stopping the stream midway to take action on that thing that you got to do. Because you got one, right? This life, it's not, it's not a dress rehearsal, man. This is it we got
1: one and you know what let's i just let's embrace this opportunity that we all have that are listening to this to fine-tune things you know i just love that idea of of being able to fine-tune we've you know things are things are tough we're all struggling but here are some good people that are willing to share some things that'll that'll help us get through some of the hardest things so i i i loved it mike i thought uh It was, it was a treat to be there with uh, you and Sergio tonight.
0: It is a treat and we're going to bust everything we got to try to make sure that the world hears Sergio. So as you listen to it, if you have an opportunity to talk at the water cooler, I don't even know if people are working together anymore. They talk. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or is is anyone even talking? If you got some downtime in the next zoom, whatever, let people know that you're on to a new podcast and uh, share it out so that other people can hear what Sergio drops in this episode. Enjoy the richest men in town with Sergio Carzoli.
1: So talk to me about what's on your mind, man. What, what is in the head of Mike Freeman?
0: Let's play a game, Tyler Gould.
1: I love games, man. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
0: do do a little, let's do a little word association. Okay. Okay. Now you and I, we're not at the finishing each other's sentences, stage of friendship, but we're pretty right. close, right? I think that this yes. I think that this podcast has kind of synced us up. Not that your brain necessarily works like my brain, but this will be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh I by the way, I would not I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world right now because my options outside of this world are a presidential debate oh. and a football game with two one win teams. <laughs> I had <tried> the same <laughs> thought tonight. I was like man, this is a victory. This is great. It's a World Series <laughs> off night. Yeah, we've got, we've got a good. great guest coming, so let's play a game. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to give you a word, okay? And then I don't need another word back, just tune into whatever thought you have about that word, whatever association you have with this word.
1: I can give you a word, I can give you a sentence, I can give you whatever my thought is. You can give me a
0: dumb stare.
1: All right, I'm good at those too. Those are, <laughs> I, I excel at that actually. All right, the word is power. So I, th- I immediately think of He-Man, you know, <laughs> Like that's like the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs>
0: You're going to say it. You're going to say it.
1: I've got the power. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Good. Okay. The influence of, you know, the powerful influence of cartoons.
1: Yeah. Right. right absolutely. What else what you else? got? Oh, was it? It? <laughs> oh I, I was like what's the next word I nailed that one come on <laughs> I was like, man um, I don't know that he lot... man, is there, okay. there is no wrong answer but you might have just might not be the right one okay <laughs> might have just picked the
0: one wrong answer
1: <laughs> all right so there there's a there's a few things that come to mind right I think of like um, I think of of like strength like physical strength you know but uh, but I also think of like um, influence. You know, there's like people that, that I look up to in my life that I would, I would label them as powerful. And it's probably more because of when they say things, those things kind of hit me as powerful. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I, 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 I want to go, I want to go there a little bit. Anything else?
1: That's all. That's all I got, man.
0: <laughs> so no Corey Seeger, no uh, Cody Bellinger.
1: No, no. Interesting. Will Smith no no. <laughs> no all right especially after season. last night you
0: know what i mean I, yeah, if it it's was... baseball season and okay. uh and and i so here here are my thoughts right okay. i throw that word out i appreciate your thoughts and i, I want to piggyback on a couple of those um you know there's there's something that you hear in baseball a lot you know like when that guy hits when that guy takes batting practice it sounds different yeah that's an interesting thought to me Right. Mm -hmm. And I I, I wonder, I I wonder why, what makes that guy's swing different? Yeah. What makes that guy's swing powerful? Where does that power come from? And then I I think of that same concept, similar to your thought, right? We all know those people that when they speak, it's like those, those old EF Hutton commercials, right? When those people speak, everybody listens. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a they've got a power. And I wonder at the same time, where does that power come from? And I've often I've often made a kind of a reference to a list of words that I want to be associated with. Right. looking back on my life, hey, how would you describe Mike Freeman? Yeah. Powerful would be a good word.
1: Yeah, I'd be a great word.
0: Not like not like Mr. Potter, powerful. Right. right? It's a wonderful life, Potter, bad guy. Not that kind of powerful, like this kind of powerful, you got your book of Mormon handy. I do all right let's uh let's jump into uh, Alma chapter 60 real quick. so this is uh th- this is a saga of military battles. right and it's so, so, so
1: funny you pull life- this chapter up because I was just talking about this chapter the other day.
0: So many life lessons are applicable from these from these verses but there's this character named Moroni and Moroni is a military leader at the time. And there is a bold declaration that Moroni makes of himself. It's in Alma chapter 60, verse 36. I feel like I'm in Sunday school. Tyler, can you read for me? Verse 36.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Behold, I am Moroni, your chief captain. I seek not for power, But to pull it down, I seek not for honor of the world, but for the glory of my God and the freedom and welfare of my country. And thus, I close mine
0: epistle. Dig that. Yeah. I don't seek for power, but I actually seek to pull it down. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going through this life trying to be as humble as I can. And where I see that abuse of power. I'm all about trying to tear it down. Not like revolutionary assassination or any of those things, right? But as a disciple of Jesus Christ, where do we get power? And I'm curious to know, I'm curious to even get like thoughts from our guests tonight because here's where I'm coming from. Yeah, If I can figure that out, then I can be intentional and turn it up. But
1: isn't it interesting? I kind of feel like, so when you're when we're playing the game and you're asking me what my thoughts are. Right. And, and I have that thought of like people that have influenced me. Right. And that kind of power. When I think about the, the character of those people that I have in my head, like they are the most humble and like soft-spoken and kind and compassionate people. So it's not like this kind of brash, like loud, you know, in your face, sort of follow me, you know, to the, to the mountaintops. It's, it's the the people that I have in my head that, that have influenced me by, by their words and their powerful, powerful words have been humble, have been soft-spoken, have been quiet, have just been powerful through example as well. You know what I mean? Example.
2: Good.
0: Yeah. If I'm going to bake me a power cake, (laughs) <laughs> you know, if I'm going to analyze and, and come up with a, a recipe for, for what that power looks like in my life, I think of, uh, I think of the power that comes um, through keeping promises. Powerful people that I know keep promises. Yeah. They're true to their word and they're true to promises that they've made to others. They're true to promises that they've made to God right? They're, yeah. they're covenant keepers. And I think that there's some power that comes from keeping covenants and from, from keeping, keeping promises. Um, also I, I think of, uh, I think of that quote you texted me, <clears throat> you know, we had some back and forth. I'll, I'll try to pull it up here. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some we had some exchange in anticipation talking to, you, to our friend, to your mm-hmm. good friend, Sergio Carzoli tonight, um, but he said, you, I mean, you, one of the thoughts that you had was, uh, was this, too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring all of which have the potential to turn a life around. Now that's not necessarily what comes to mind when you think initially of the word power. Yeah. But that's powerful. And you and I could both probably look at our own lives and think, where was it when someone came up and demonstrated that kind of power?
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when I read that quote and I, and I, I was thinking about it and I just thought I personally, you know, I would love to be, to, to be able to be a powerful influence. Right. I, I would love that. I'm, I'm not there. Right. But, but I can do that. I can do what that coach, that quote said. Right. I can, I can reach Yeah. That out. sound that sounded easy. Right. I could do that. And, it, but, but it, it sounds easy. It, I think it, if we're intentional about, about it, I think it becomes easier. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking today as I was driving, I, you know, just driving home from the office today and I was thinking about just our conversation and our texts. And, and I just had this thought, like we, we have that, you know, we had this discussion about capacity and I said, you know, I feel like we have this, this big ability to, to handle a lot more than we think we can. And, and I think power is the same way. I think that we have the ability to be a, a lot more powerful than we are and, and a lot more powerful than we get our, give ourselves credit for. I think that the the trick is we have to unlock that, right? It's sort of like this, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's like this deep inside us and we have to unlock the layers until we can really start to see people for who they are. And, and I think that's part of powerful because then you're, you know, you're willing to go up and, and, and lift someone who, who, who maybe you wouldn't normally, you know, because you've, you've unlocked that and you start to see things differently. Uh, so it's an exercise, right? I think you smile enough and you care enough, enough times that it becomes a little easier. You become a little bit more powerful the more you do it.
0: So let me tell you, let me tell you a cool story. Yeah. About seemingly insignificant thing that truly transforms someone's life. Right. Yeah. I'm in a training. Uh, I'm in a training here in Shasta County. We are working with educators, administrators, and we are, uh, we are working on the science of hope. There's extensive research out there that shows that hope can be measured. Hope can be increased. And when someone is hopeful, there's actually indicators of success that will, That will bump as you rise, as you increase the hopefulness of a person, of a team, of an organization. I believe Uh, that the work is from a book called hope rising by Dr. Chan Hellman. Chan Hellman is a professor at the uh, university of Oklahoma Chan. If this comes around, get on our podcast, right? Dr. Hellman, we'd love to have you on our podcast. Dr. Hellman tells the story, his own story. Growing up as a teenager in Oklahoma, he was homeless through high school, like on the streets. Hope, Homeless, high school teenager turned college professor on hope. There's something there, right? Yeah. There's a story there that I would love to hear. But this is the story he shared with us. He's in seventh or eighth grade and home life is unraveling and he's about to see that he's going to have to leave home and, and, and head out on the streets. Uh, school is the only thing he's clinging to. School is the only thing that gives him hope, any sense of normalcy, and he's in PE class one day. You remember seventh and eighth grade PE, not the most hopeful place.
1: I was just talking about that the other night with my <laughs> wife,
0: man. Yeah. Not, the, not, not my favorite memories for sure. He's a wild uh, guy. Yeah. He's <laughs> He's sitting on the bleacher. Chan is, and he's waiting for his turn into the game. PE coach, PE teacher comes up with clipboard and sits next to the, uh, Chan and just physically leans his body into Chan. Just kind of leans into him and lets him know, hey, I, I see you. You're here. Kind of like I got you, like a support, right? A right. couple minutes. It's Chan's turn to get up and play. He gets up, and the coach says, Hey, Chan, it's going to be okay.
2: Mm, I it's love it, man.
0: going to be okay. Five, five words. Fast forward. This kid's in high school, homeless on the streets. Several times he considers committing suicide. Every time, the last thing that goes through his mind is that experience with that PE teacher. And he stays alive because that gave him hope. That reminded him that he matters. So as a grown man, he goes back to that PE teacher and says, hey, man, I'm alive because of you. That PE teacher said, I did what? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah right? Like he didn't even, he was flexing his power and changing a kid's life, saving a kid's life. And he didn't even realize what he was doing. Yeah. That's a cool, that's a cool sense of power.
1: No, that's awesome, man. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's crazy. You know, you gotta, he, 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 I gotta believe that someone like that that leans in like that and says those things and then doesn't realize or remember that experience has done that thing numerous times. Do you know what I and mean? You know,
0: and you know what that tells me? Hmm. He's got his stuff together. Yeah. I mean, it just says like, cause if you don't have your yeah. stuff together, it's really hard to see that kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if he's yeah. sitting there in his own mess and he's got his own stuff going on, he doesn't even see that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And then I, and then I'm, I'm hanging out and we're talking fierce conversations. And it's another, another great book. Yeah. Uh, fierce conversations has, uh, makes reference to an accountability ladder. And I yeah. texted you, I texted you this, right? Yep. The idea is if you are unaware or you're in a blaming others or you're dropping excuses or you're waiting and hoping You're low on that accountability ladder. You're also powerless in your life. Yeah. As you climb that ladder and you start acknowledging reality, you start owning your situation, finding solutions, and you get on with things, you become more powerful in your life. Yeah. And I found that that to be very relevant to, to the things that were going in my mind. So as we go through this journey with Sergio tonight, I'm just thinking... I'm I'm going to be listening with that in my in my mind, right? What makes it, what makes this guy tick? What makes this guy powerful in the lives of other people? What makes this guy uh, a rich man in town? Right, Tyler. What last question before we let Sergio in? Yeah, where would you say you get your power? You don't have a sword. I'm assuming you don't have a sword. Well, I mean, it, you don't, I don't have carry. like a Thor's hammer. No,
1: no, man, that would be cool. That would, be, that cool. would be a little awkward too, carrying that bad boy around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that f- for me, I mean, I, you know, my, my sources is, is God, you know, one, and two, it's the people that I consciously surround myself with. You know, I think that that is important for me, you know, like I said uh, earlier, I'm not, I'm not the, the most dialed in. And so I like to have those people around me that, that are, and that reminds me to lean in, you know, and, uh, and, and tell someone it's going to be okay.
0: What about you, Mike? Yeah. I'm going to pull the plug on your self-deprecating stuff. I think you are one of the most powerful guys that I know. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that influence. Um, I would. I would agree with the same thing. To the degree that my life is in, is in alignment with God, yeah, I'm powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Like, uh, n- nothing's impossible. Right. With him. Um. Sometimes I, I try to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, right right and, and that's a that's, that's an exercise in uh, futility that's an exercise in powerlessness right <laughs> yeah when i'm like okay universe i know you want me to do this i'm gonna take it somewhere else yeah
1: i'm gonna give this and, a world first
0: <laughs> yeah and i think and i i'm in love with this phrase i probably used it in previous episodes that's all sideways energy
2: that's, yeah
0: that's me taking finite resources and wasting them because it's make it's moving me nowhere right? Yeah. So the sooner I can humble myself, prayerfully get in line with the things that I need to be doing. Yeah. A certain power does come in. Right. And it's not mine. Right. It's right, not right. yours. Yeah. Right? But you become kind of an instrument and you're able to do some cool things for. Yeah,
1: absolutely. People. I love that, man.
0: Yeah. And when you love people. Yeah. I think you know, that's anything, a- any powerful moment in my life that's involved other people, charity's been in the room
1: it's huge right we were just talking about this with 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 doug McMullen the other day you know it's like man we 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 hope right people are going to give us the benefit of the doubt we sure certainly better be ready to, to offer that same uh that same bit of grace you know yeah true so
0: true all right let him in man let's do this let's do this hey do you have a do you have a world series prediction by the way so it's one one dodgers and six man dodgers and six
1: dodgers and six all right, interesting.
0: There he is. Sergio Carzoli.
3: Present, Sergio, sir.
0: welcome. Welcome to The Richest Man in Town. How are you?
3: I'm doing excellent. How are you guys? You, you
0: know what? We're running late. Shocker. We're running late.
3: I blame Tyler. <laughs> I don't blame
0: you. A, uh, Yeah,
1: I'll take that, you know.
0: <laughs> Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? Sure. It's your show. Because <laughs> uh, Because Tyler Gould... Guilt is a terrible motivator, but for some reason, Tyler Gould is able to use it <laughs> and motivate me to get off my keister and and get get a jog in. So I, I snuck in a couple miles because That's I got this good. thing of I got to run 10 every week. And uh, we're not going to tell you where I'm at, but I'll tell you, I'll be at 10 by Sunday.
3: <laughs> All right. 10 every week is a good start.
2: Yeah,
0: it
3: is a good yeah. start. It's a good it's start. It's going to be a long start, too. We're going to
0: keep it at 10 for a long time, right? Yeah, Tyler? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> really comfortable
3: is, right now at 10. Is Tyler running 10 too? I yeah. am. Yeah, yeah. He's, wow. He's nice.
0: already he's almost done for the week and yeah. you know, he's going to Maybe have the weekend something off. something
3: like that. I don't know.
1: Maybe. I'm sitting at nine right now. You can join the club anytime. This is an open forum for the run 10 a week, man. We've got, it we've is got, not
0: conditional. It is yeah, not conditional for you to be on the show to, for you to agree to run 10 miles, but that's it might true. be, it might be. Kind <laughs> of cool. Yeah, that's very true. So yeah. Sergio, you yeah. have the benefit or the disadvantage, however you want to look at it. You're jumping into a conversation that Tyler and I've been having for a little bit and we are excited to get into, uh, and get into your, your world, get into your life and, and, uh, find out what makes Sergio Sergio. But Before that, you have to inherit our conversation and and contribute. That's just kind of how it works. Is that cool?
3: Okay, bring it. Okay. All right. Uh, Do you have a
0: World Series prediction?
3: Oh, dude. I'm so biased. I'm a Dodger hater.
0: You (laughs) want to know why?
3: Anybody. May may I say why? Go for it. This comes from a kid that grew up watching the Dodgers, loving the Dodgers. I mean, I was a diehard back in the days so of Fernando Valenzuela, Tommy Lasorda, yes. Rick Monday, I mean the 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 good one, the good guys. Yes. But then the Dodgers made a bad move. How they got rid of Fernando and they tried to make it later, make up for it later on. Not good on my book, man. So Oh man. I I dropped them like You dropped him because like of how they habit. treated how they treated Fernando. Yeah. I can wow. see
1: that. I can see Sergio doing that. <laughs> and just for the record, we're going to edit this whole section out of this show.
3: No, you can. It's, it's, <laughs> I thought is it me, was made. Buddy?
0: I thought it was made because of uh, Tommy Lasorda's Weight Watchers commercials. But well, no.
3: <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Hey, you know what? I, I came in in the Navy and all that. I was here in San Diego. I started rooting for the local team. But yeah, the main reason is how they treated my boy Fernando.
0: Hey, you know Ojos what? I, Dios, right? I respect that. I respect that. What'd you say, Mike? Ojos de Dios. Fernando did that thing
3: with the eyes. Yeah, dude. The, the screwball. Tirabuzón, <laughs> man. We're going we're gonna to start talking some Spanish here, there, Mike. You and I. <laughs> start taking notes. But, hey, so
0: uh, we were a little bit all over the place in the entry, but uh, power has been on my mind. Right? That 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 word power. Um Their baseball power relates to baseball, but I was, I was making the connection to, um, what is it about powerful people in our lives? Right. We have these people that maybe when they speak, everybody listens. And I just wonder where that power comes from. Right. And I'm curious to know if, are there, are are there any people in your life that, that have that power and what are your thoughts on where they, where they get that?
3: Well, I mean, I'm a, this is, I know this is a kind of religious, kind of not religious podcast, but.
0: All over the place. we Greenlight, it's your we're show. the
3: entire map, right? So <laughs> when I think. So hold somebody back. Has, has, somebody has power. They have the gift of God to influence others to do better. And sometimes those, it could be a man or a woman. They just come into your life and you can sense that, like. Whatever they're gonna tell you, is for your own good. There've been times in my life that I have run across those people, and I'm like, I'm listening to every word they say, because once you listen to somebody—not just hear, but you actually listen to what they tell you—there's power behind the advice, the words they use to to make you uh, feel better about yourself, to give you advice to overcome some obstacles you're facing at the time but yeah i mean they're, they're like selected um i can give you one person my my older brother uh victor that guy has power of knowing the scriptures this guy can if you see his his, uh, his scriptures i mean they're like almost torn because he he reads them so much But the way he explains them to you, very simple that you can actually feel the guy upstairs talking to you saying, hey, go do this. So it's power behind the message they deliver to you. And you get power by following that advice.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, we were just we were talking about that before you came in and just, you know. You know, we, we talked about people in our lives that, that, that influence us, that we think have power. And I was telling Mike, I said, you know, when I think of people that are powerful in, in my life, they're, they're quiet, they're humble, they're soft-spoken, they're compassionate. You know, it's not loud and and in your face. It's, uh, it's, and, 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 and they say things that just stick you know? And uh, I mean, there's people that have said things that just rattle around in my head and have been rattling there for, you know, 20, 30 years for crying out loud. Um, But they're good things that kind of push me forward, you know, but I I love that answer. Even though I think
0: too, I think too, sometimes truth is revealed through a non-example, right? And I think you take everything that you guys have just said, and we all, we also know people that are the opposite of that. Right, they they try to come in almost with a <clears throat> with a dominion, right? Yeah. They're they're maybe they're loud or they're boisterous, and uh, and then too, their walk doesn't match their talk. And, and isn't that it, kind of the world? It almost that we strips live in? them. It almost strips yeah. them of that power.
1: I feel like in today today where we're at, just in in general, it's you know, there's this there's almost like this idea that. The loudest one wins, right? The loudest one is the most powerful one in the room, and uh, man, I just don't, I just don't buy into that into that theory, you know.
3: Well, I mean, you know how they say the squeaky wheel gets—that's uh, <laughs> right the oil. Gets <laughs> the oil. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes you just hear shatter, shatter. Like people are just, all right, quiet already.
0: Yeah. I need Let hey Sergio. Who- I need to work on that. <laughs> i but, i think it's this podcast you put yeah, a mic yeah. in my face and now everywhere i go i think i got something to say and people need to listen
3: <laughs> as long as you say the right things at the right time people, <laughs> yeah that's right but sometimes you gotta people don't even have to say anything you just observe their actions and i mean you the quiet ones i've been in meetings at work mm-hmm. and there's that guy who was there at the corner quiet And he doesn't say anything until the, like the the boss looks at him and then that guy just delivers power. Yeah. Straight cuts straight to all the fluff in the meetings that this is what we got to do. This is why we're going to be successful. Uh, I have a saying for you guys. And I used to tell this to my mom all the time. And I even had her translator in Spanish, but. This Wait, is the you one to told
0: your you told
3: your mom stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me and my mom were like this.
1: <laughs> we're gonna get uh, into that.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> mom later on. But uh, I told her that knowledge is not knowing what to say, but knowing when to say it. Yeah, we I go like back that. to the chatter. It's like if you know when to say it, people will listen. Yeah. I feel like
0: I feel like Sergio is here for me. Like tonight, (laughs) Sergio is here for me. Tyler, why do you love this guy? Man, you know, Sergio,
1: look, I I love so many things about Sergio. You know, Sergio has been, he and I have been around each other for uh, a a while now in a lot of um, interesting situations, right? And Sergio has always been the voice of reason. And one of the things I love about Sergio is there's been times where I've been in a position where I will say, I've, I've had to say something I've had to come up with, uh, with something. And Sergio always tells me what he thinks. And that's, I, I respect that so much from Sergio. He's not a yes, man. He is uh, this is what I think. And, it's different than what you think. And (laughs) I, you know what? And I absolutely love that. And I've told Sergio that, you know, I remember when we first first started uh, serving together, you know, Sergio would be apologetic about that. And I would tell him all the time, like, that's what I want. I want someone who's going to challenge me and he challenges me and he is smart and he is, he's a powerful guy. And, and, you know, I've told Sergio that I hope before, but that's uh yeah, he's a powerful guy.
3: Oh, thank you. Now I got to live up to it. Jeez. I better deliver <laughs> buddy.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there were a few times Sergio where Tyler was maybe right. And you could say yes, right?
3: Yes. Was, <laughs> it was with reservation. Tip. Uh Yes. <laughs>
2: Well, oh hey,
0: um, Sergio. When when the invitation goes out, right? When Tyler reaches out to you and says, "Hey, I got this wacko friend, and we've got this crazy podcast, and um, it's taken over the world." We're about to hit six thousand. That's right, nice. nice. six thousand downloads. A couple months. That's not bad. Um, when he reaches out to you, and then he gives you the title of the show, and says, "Richest man in town." And hey, by the way, Sergio. It's got your name written all over. We want you on. (laughs) What what thoughts go through your head?
3: Honestly, I was, I was afraid of that invitation because I hear all the guys that you have brought in. I mean, I know Alan Michael by personally, that dude is a rock house when he was serving a mission, that dude, (laughs) he had a nail down. Yeah, he did. And then I hear the other ones like uh, Rajiv from, from India. What he does, I mean, dude, how can I live up to some of those things that these guys have done? Uh, when you say, uh, when you consider me to bring me in, I started reflecting on what could I share with, the, with your listeners, with your millions of listeners, because this is forever, right? That's you start forever. counting now.
1: That's true. Yeah. It's like a little, little tiny snowball rolling making. down the mountain. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. It's <laughs> like, why can I share out of my life experiences that will benefit somebody. And I started reflecting and I've been a a very blessed man. And I think I can share some of those uh, life stories, those little hinges that make you make these decisions, life-changing decisions that can actually help somebody. So I hope throughout this podcast, I can share some of those experiences and be the benefit even if it's just for you Mike because you told me I'm here for you you are here I, I mean, <laughs> you are here to help me out mission, mission accomplished right <laughs> That's
0: yeah right. and 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 Sergio I I appreciate that and I am so uh, I'm so excited to have you here with us um, I've stayed at the hotel Gould many a time down in Chula Vista and I've had an opportunity to go to uh, go to church services and so uh, I, I I know you I know your family a little bit and uh, I'm so looking forward to you know, just getting in there and finding out what, uh, what lessons are in there for you. Um, you know, I, I start out the show by talking about uh, that, that word power. And I just want to make sure that, that my intentions are clear, right? If, if we can dissect that and we can learn how to increase that, then we might be able to be of more influence, And I think that that's, that's what this show, uh, that's, that's what, that's what this program is about, right? Like the idea of, of just trying to, to be better, right. To make changes and call, call, throw the call out there to the whole world and see who, who, who picks up and who listens, right. (laughs) Who listens to Rajiv, who listens to
1: Sarah. You know, Mike, I, when you think, when you say, you know, influence, use the word influence, you know. I think that um, that sometimes we, you know, we tend to sell ourselves short in that category. Um, and and look, it it it's a two way street, right? Influence is a two way street. We can we can really derail some things by our just which, as easily, just as easily, right? So we could really take someone and put them in a, in a spot where they don't want to be because of our bad influence. Right. But I think on the other side, you know, we, when we have this conversation about power and powerful people and people of influence in our lives, you know, we, I think each of us would compile a list and we'd have these people on, on this sheet of paper. And I just, I think it's important that we also recognize that you Sergio and Mike Freeman, you guys are on someone's sheet of paper. You know what I mean? like i think like it's important to understand that even given the you know re, the, the different circumstances that we've been in where we've been around people we've had conversations or we've just acted in the right way you end up on someone's sheet of paper on that list of of influential people so you know i think it's i think we i want to recognize that right out of the gate because i would put sergio on my sheet of paper right and I think I'm not the only one that's going to put Sergio on that sheet of paper, and I think Sergio, you need to. I hope you know that that your name is is uh, dotted across uh, many sheets of paper, uh, not just in Chula Vista. So, and yeah, that's right. that's partially why you're here, right?
0: Yeah, and I think I, I've I've said before, you know, I hope that people <clears throat> when they interact with me, that I can alter their trajectory. Yeah. Right whether that's they're having a bad day and I just try to help their day be better or we work professionally as a team and, and we, we lift one another. And I think that that's subtle and I think that that's important. I came across this quote from Maya Angelou and this is what I want now. I want to increase my influence so that when people hear me, they want to change. My Angelo said this, the need for change bulldozed a road down the center of my mind. How cool would it be if we interacted with people and through that interaction, they felt that kind of desire to change, right? And it's only gonna happen, I believe, as we work on things like faith, as we work on things like our home, right? And our family, as we work on things like our heart, as we work on things like our brain and we acquire, we learn, we, we talk to people that maybe we don't normally talk to and we open up and we learn the things that we need to learn, right? We listen to the Sergios of the world and we apply those lessons to our lives, right? That's the power that's the power that I would love to I'd love to have.
3: Let yeah. me let me tap on that, Mike. When you say we learn things, and we go as we learn things, we gain knowledge. And what is that thing? Knowledge is power. Because <laughs> like if you know what you're doing, if you're trying to teach somebody about how to build a house, how to change the oil on your car, how to fix a radar, how to talk to somebody, how to listen to somebody. If you teach somebody based on the knowledge you have, you're giving part of your power to them. So knowledge is power.
0: Knowledge is power.
3: At the end of the day, when we kick the bucket and we're buried six feet under, all you take from this earth is what you learn here your knowledge,
1: and our relationships? Thank goodness, right?
3: Well, I don't know, Tyler. We gotta talk. We gotta <laughs> work on that one. <laughs> well, you know, but yes, and our I'm relationships more
1: <laughs> excited about than others, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: but yeah, I mean, knowledge is power. If we go back to I that like word, that. power. Yeah. As I hear you talking, Mike and Tyler, it's like, yeah, the more knowledgeable you are, the higher you're gonna be able to climb that ladder, whether it's in business whether it's at home with your, with your family, because they're going to know when you're just blowing smoke <laughs> or when you're speaking truth, they are listen.
0: Tyler, you've Can never, we, Tyler, you've never blown smoke before. Have you? I,
1: I'm a smokestack, man. No, I, I, I like that a lot. So, it, you know, we want to dive in and, with with this idea in mind, right. Of, of talking about power and I, and I like, I I like sort of this, this theme that Mike's brought up um, over the last few days as we've been talking, but um, I want to talk about you, Sergio, as a young man. But before I answer that question, I'm going to, I want to, I want to say this because you've got a daughter who's getting ready to move to Spain with her new husband right or is yes, this still sir. the plan
3: no it is
1: still the plan so you've got just just a couple miles that are going to separate you from your daughter okay <laughs> just a few miles
0: and a little bit of water right what, what but, part of spain what part of spain paint me a picture
3: uh, the actual town is called Crevillente, which is closer to alicante which is about two hours south of Madrid.
0: Okay.
3: okay. So, you know, if I got to make that phone call, that dude better be treating her right. That's what <laughs> I <was saying. laughs> then I can exercise some other type of power, but we won't go there.
1: Well, here, here's the cool thing. And I was thinking about this today as I was thinking about you coming in here because uh, Sergio's family, Mike, you've met him. They're great. And I'm, I'm in the Carzoli fan club. I might be president. I don't know, but I'm in the fan club for sure. And, uh, and I was just thinking like, man, that's got to be difficult knowing your daughter's moving to Spain. Like just keep those eyes dry for a second. All right. Your daughter's moving to Spain, but here's the cool thing tonight. We get an opportunity to talk about some, hopefully some sacred things, hopefully some powerful things, hopefully some things that are going to, uh, edify the three of us and maybe some other people that'll listen to it. But Uh, You mentioned earlier, millions of fans. Well, we're, we're not there, but this thing is forever. And your daughter in Spain can hear this. And when those little grandkids come around, they can hear grandpa Sergio (laughs) talking about power. And I mean that in all seriousness, I think that's a, that's a great benefit. Um, And so I'm excited to hear about you and your journey tonight, Sergio.
3: All
0: right. so, so so Sergio, yeah, you're gonna try.
3: You're gonna visit, right? Oh, guaranteed. Sign <laughs> me up to the frequent flyer mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll
0: so visit. let's get started. I felt immediately. I felt a, a love for mom. Yep. Can you talk to me about growing up? Where did you grow up? Talk to me about your parent. Your parent influence
3: okay uh so here here's my whole life story in a nutshell we got about two hours maybe four I don't know just roll it just roll it. <laughs> okay so so I was born in El Paso Texas and my mom she worked for Levi Strauss for 35 36 years that's a long time but one of the things was that she although she worked all her life in the U.S she raised she, she had her kids, kids in the US, but she raised them in Mexico where my, grand, my grandparents lived. But her biggest fear was that if she raised her kids in the US, one of them, or maybe more, would join the military. That was her whole fear. That's why she raised us over there in, in Juarez, Mexico. So my sister is going through, uh, I think she needed to start college over there in Juarez, but she wanted to be in in agriculture. So there were some problems with the university, whatever. So she decides to move us to uproot the whole family. And we want to go to El Paso so where my sister can go to college there. So we moved to El Paso. I was, I think I was 11, 10 or 11. I didn't know a lick of English. Nothing, zero. I was a US citizen because I was born in El Paso, but I did not know any English. So she brought us over to El Paso so my sister could go to college and we can start school here in in the US, right? So seeing my mom go through that struggle, we had a house in Juarez, I mean a nice house, coming to El Paso where we had a one bedroom apartment for five people, six people, yeah, six people. My my mom, dad, and and uh, my sister and three brothers, and two brothers. Uh, we had some hard times, but I always, I always saw my mom with a happy face. She she always put up like either, I don't know if she put a good front to it. She always told me this, and she says, uh, and I'll tell you in Spanish, and then you may translate to Tyler but I'll try to translate it. It says, mijo, al mal tiempo, ponle buena cara. Which translates to uh, face bad times with a cheerful face. And at the end, everything works out. So that was her like life model. I mean, be happy. That lady was always happy. Even if she probably was being torn apart because inside whatever it was, a lot of work, uh, living in a one bedroom apartment with with five other people. You know, it was tight. It was one bedroom for, for six six of us. <laughs> he didn't make much money at Levi Strauss. My dad didn't make much. My dad was not a member of the church. There was a uh, big arguments between them too. But me as a kid growing up, seeing her how she remained faithful to the church, to the to the gospel, how she pretty much would serve anybody, help anybody, uh, be better. That was a great example. Uh, seeing her wake up every day, and no matter how tired she was, she knew that she had to show up for work, do her stuff the right way, give the 110% effort, and then come home and take care of us as kids, so she could give us a better opportunity. I mean, uh, what else can I say? She she was a, a superstar for me. Now, the other thing I appreciate about my mom, and I know I've been talking about mom all this time. Can I but, Can I
0: stop you really quick? Yeah. Did she ever let you in? Did she ever let her, her, her face down? Did she ever acknowledge that it was hard? Did, was there ever a moment where you saw her vulnerable struggling
3: not necessarily but towards the end of her. that's amazing yeah not necessarily but towards the end of her of her life uh i think it was about a month a month and a half before she passed uh i went i went home i went to el paso and me and her had the the heart of heart talk like you know after this talk pretty much i won't see you again we'll see you on the other side but She said this, that she didn't think she was a successful person because she didn't have riches, like monetary, big houses. And and I told her, Mom, you're so rich beyond measure, you don't even know it. And I told her this because while she showed her kids how to work, how to love the gospel, how to live it, and I told her, look, you got four, four kids, right? Three worthy priesthood holders that are in any moment can go and minister to somebody. You have a daughter who serve a mission, who serves in a church calling, who serves others, helps others. My, my sister is a registered nurse. So she's all about helping people the sick and afflicted, whatever. Pure heart, right? So I go, not many people can say that. So you saying that you're not rich, you might not be rich monetary, but the way you raised us, the way you laid out that foundation for us to be successful in life. I mean, what mission accomplished? Check out, go, go, go see them now.
1: Sergio, you, you talk about your mom and her faith, are there, are there experiences or, or moments that you can look back on where you saw your mom serve that influenced you?
3: Oh, yeah. I, and I think my earliest stages of uh, being a member, I, I think I got baptized when I was 11. We, we all joined the church. Uh, first was my, my brother. My brother joined the, the church. He, goes, he had a friend in the university, in Juarez, so he goes that Sunday. Just he invited him. Okay, come see him. My brother gets baptized that day. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's real, but he got baptized that day. Okay. <laughs> they do things differently down in Juarez. Yeah. yeah, you know. And that was back in the early '80s. So <laughs> that's right. Different different rules. We won't. We won't. That question. It was done. <laughs> it's
0: all good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Then my sister follows up. Uh, a year later and then we follow up like, I don't know, maybe two, three months later. But the, the, to tell you when my, who, who I saw my mom serve is she would, she was uh, the Relief Society president for the, for, a, for the ward in Juarez. She had put in a full day of work at Levi Strauss. She would rush home prepare dinner for us and my dad. And then she will go do home visits to the sisters who were in need. After putting a whole day of work, she didn't question it. She she knew that she had to go talk to those sisters in need. So if she can do that, what what choice do I have but to follow (laughs) that great example? I mean, I will be doing a disservice if I don't serve that way.
1: And it's it's funny as you're as you're saying that you're describing that experience. I can just I'm just thinking of how many times I've called Sergio uh, right after work and said, "Hey, throw on a white shirt and tie. We got some work to do." And uh, never once, no question. Yeah, let's let's do it. So it's,
0: well. Here's the irony. What do you do? What do you do for a living?
3: Oh wow, Mike, this is well. Now let's put a disclaimer. Not just kidding. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean it's it's you work for the U.S. military.
3: Yeah. Um. Okay, I'm so a... hold
0: on. What was your mom's greatest fear?
3: <laughs> there you go. Now so we... usually,
0: so usually, Sergio. At this point, we would say, you know, we'd ask a question: How do you honor mom? But <laughs> I'm hoping that you uh you apologize to mom for uh. Making her greatest fear come true,
3: and, and and I did apologize so many times because, <laughs> because we would go to El Paso. Like when the kids were little, and when we be, even before we had kids, we uh we would go at least two, three times, even sometimes four times to El Paso just to just to see the family because we were the only ones here in in San Diego. Everybody was in Texas. But uh, what you asked, what do I do for a living? I uh, what they call a product support manager, uh, a logistician. I, uh, I work for the Navy, but as a civilian, I don't wear the uniform. I wore it for nine years as an enlisted uh, electronics technician. But after, after my time in the Navy, and the reason I left the Navy, uh, uh, stopped wearing the uniform is because Samantha, she was born, she, she was like 13 months old, And my time in shore duty, to station like uh, I wasn't on a ship, I was on a on a shore uh, shore station like Miramar. I'm trying to keep it simple so you guys can understand. (laughs) I'm not going to go into deep navy lingo. But uh, my time for if I had to reenlist, I would have to go be assigned to a ship, and I would have to serve four years on board a ship. I wasn't about to let uh, Liz, my wife, be a single mom while I was deployed. Uh, The first three years of my marriage, I probably saw Liz maybe like 12, 14 months out of that because I was always gone. There was a a decision, uh, a little tiny hinge that where I decided I gotta leave the Navy. Well, I, I haven't left the Navy, I'm still working, even as a civilian now. But the tiny hinge was, and I can still remember it was New Year's Eve, and I was in Bahrain on board USS Cape Cod. And this guy received a care package, and in there, he had a videotape. And on that videotape uh, had his kids, and they were like, Hey, Daddy, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, you know, trying to be happy. He had three kids, Uh, the two older ones, the teenagers where, you know, oh, dad is gone. But he had like a, I want to say like a five, six-year-old. She was shy at the beginning. She was like, ah, and then she she got into it uh, and told him, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But then you see her face, like, realize that dad was not going to be home for Christmas. That, dude to this day it breaks me just to tell the story but right there and then I decided if I'm gonna have kids I'm gonna be there Christmas and New Year's and that that wasn't not even a question that, that is done I'm out
1: so let, let's hold let's hold that thought for a second because I we're, we're gonna put a pin in the timeline right here but I want to back up. And I want to talk a little bit about sort of those formative years growing up in El Paso. And I want to get to the point where, because I know, I know, we we gotta we we can't have a Sergio Carzoli conversation without having a Liz Carzoli conversation because she's probably the look. Let's be let's be real, Sergio. He's
3: your boss man. Yeah, exactly. He runs
1: that show, <laughs> right? Yeah. So <laughs> right. So let's. T- I'd like to talk about that. How you guys met, and and just kind of you joining the military give us a little bit of background uh hold on
0: i gotta i gotta i gotta ask yeah. i'm an educator right yeah. <clears throat> oh. in 2020 with just the 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 racial tensions the the social unrest what was it like being a spanish-speaking 10 year old kid in america's school
3: oh dude I, what, what held me back that I didn't want to give headaches to mom. So I took a lot of abuse. I stayed quiet. I didn't answer what the kid's trying to bully me. I just like, you know what? We're good. On the other hand, I have a a brother who is, who is 11 months, 20 days younger than me. So for, no, seven days younger than me. So for a period of twenty days, we're twins.
2: <laughs>
3: now this guy, he wouldn't take any any stuff from anybody, especially when when kids, even Mexican kids, that grew up in the U.S. You know, they knew how to speak English, and they would make fun of us. And he could sense that, and he he would like, hey, you know what? You want to go? We, like we can throw down right now. <laughs> I would be pulling him back. I go, hey, dude, we can't... Mommy's at, at, at the factory working. We can't get her out. You know, don't give her a headache. But he was like, no, they cannot disrespect us like that. Me, I, I took the higher road. I'm like, you know what? Your law not mine. Because once you get to know me, I'm your friend for life. But these kids... Uh, We'll push us to, they pushed me to the limits as to like how patient could I be, how much could I take and not respond. So it was, it was tough to say that. Uh, my brother will tell my mom sometimes, Hey, you brought us here to suffer, it was that bad. And I mean, these kids are were Mexican too, not, not so much the white kids, but the Mexican kids, which is which is like, dude, come on, you got to take care of your own. But kids are kids, they will yeah. say mean things, mm-hmm. they might not mean it. But growing up later on, I saw those same kids at high school. At high school, I was a wrestler. Different, Whole different story then. They wanted to be my friend. <laughs> that, that's all I got to tell you. <laughs> even, even if you see the shirt, it's like. That's right. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a whole different game once they know you, who you are and what you become. Hey, what is it? What is it about you, wrestlers?
0: Like wrestling is a wrestling is a discipline. Like it's a it's a mindset. We're right? different. What
3: did what did wrestling give to you, Sergio? My oh man, now we're talking wrestling. Wrestling <laughs> is my is my uh, what do you call it? Um, your inner power to never quit, to always try harder, to uh, find a way. To victory, find a way to survive. Uh, my my wrestling coach, it was this this white guy, Coach Berkeley. That guy did triathlons, but this guy was so hard on us because he didn't have the, you know, we were on a on a school that was not. Predominantly white, there was a lot of Mexicans, a lot of blacks, and some whites. But he instilled in us that you couldn't quit. You had to always be on your on on top of your game. You had to give it 110% all six minutes. Wrestling matches are in high school, they're six minutes, three periods, right? We wouldn't be the biggest ones, but comes the third period, we were the ones in better shape. We, we, we just mop people with the floor with it. Like, <laughs> you, you can get out of here. You, I mean, he used to, and you're talking about what in coach always tried to cut me because he wanted to bring football players. But at the, on, the, on the sports banquet at the end of my senior year, he said this, you know, I, for three years, I tried to cut this guy, but I couldn't find somebody that will work harder than him. So that coach, I'll forever be thankful. Because in life, you can't quit. If you quit, you lose. That coach, um, I give you a, a little story. Las Cruces tournament, right? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm winning. I didn't. I, I think I I got like three wins, two losses. You know, in a tournament, two two losses and you're out. But on one of the matches that I actually won. I was cocky. I won the wrong way. After every tournament, every match, Monday, he would write names of people who owed him like up downs, like a like an, a punishment, but actually it was like helping you motivate you to do better. My name was up there. And I asked him, Hey, I didn't get pinned. I lost, but I didn't get pinned. He goes, Yeah, but you didn't win the right way you didn't have the right sportsmanship as you were winning with that guy. There's ways to win, but you, if you do it the right way, you will succeed. And in life, we go back to your comments earlier, Tyler. It seems like now everybody who wins is the, the loudest, the obnoxious. There's ways to win. If you do it the right way, the opportunity will present itself for you to be successful.
1: Yeah. And I, it's, it's, you know, I'm here, I'm listening to you relate that story. And I, as you're talking about, you know, wrestling, teaching you how to survive and how to, how how to, you know, find ways to win and and how to, to not give up. I can't help but when you're saying those words, I can't help but think of your mom, you know? And it's funny because, you know, you've got, you've got sort of these layers of that message that are being laid out in front of you. You know, you've got, mom giving you that message. You've got your brother, right? Who's scrappy and (laughs) and ready to throw down in in grade school. But then you've got, you know, um, you've got your, your, your wrestling coach repeating that message. And then Mike asked the question, what's it like being a non-English speaker in school? And I just, I just think about, that wrestling coach and the mom, your mom and all of these things. And, and I just, one thing I know about Sergio is that you are someone that's going to do whatever it takes to, to get things done. And now it's, it's, it's great to listen to this and say, well, that's where, that's where this comes from.
0: So when you, so but you're. Uh, hold, in high on, sp- I, hold on, yeah, hold on. Ahead. really, tight. I, I just, I want to throw something in there. What you're saying is not common. Like that DNA that you have to not quit, that is rare. Especially today, right? Because I mean, people are quitting on things all the time. People quit on marriages, people quit on jobs, people quit school, they drop out, right? I mean, I think it's just, I I just want to highlight that. Yeah. Right. Like looking back, and, uh, and Tyler, you're 100% right. You had early influences that showed you the way, the way to win, right? The way right. to not quit. And And that doesn't, that is not necessarily everyone's story. So, Sergio, we talk about this all the time. These words, your voice, your story is going to land in someone's ear. And someone right now might be ready to quit. What would you say?
3: You can't quit because once you quit, the only one that you're cheating is yourself. If you don't push yourself to the to the limit. If you just, I'll, I'll give you an example. Here, here's another one. Another one of my examples. And um, at the age of forty, and and I'll 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 try to interweave this this story. At the age of forty, I was uh, I started to feel uh, like a, like I I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, the place I work, there is a bridge that you got to cross over to the big parking lot. And every time I reach the top of that bridge, I would get winded. I'm like, what's going on? So that happened for like two, three days. On the third day, I called um, I called Kaiser. I said, this is what's going on. I'm thinking uh, I might be having a heart attack. So the nurse that I talked to, he told me, listen, no more meetings, get somebody to bring you straight to the, to the emergency room. What do I do? I finished my day of work, <laughs> went to <all> my meetings. <laughs> I drove myself to the ER. And, and when I got to the ER, you know, sometimes you, you go to the ER, it's like, okay, you checked in, go sit down. Uh, two, three hours later, they might see you. This time it's like, we've been waiting for you psst, straight to, they already had a bed ready for me. The lady, uh, the nurse, she starts pulling blood out of me, like six, seven vials, like a ton of blood. I'm like, why so much? Then, uh, and then she left the, whatever hook they put in there. I don't know what that is called, but they she left it in there. And I ask her, why are you living it in there? And she goes, well, in case we gotta revive you, we need a straight line in. Talking about a wake up call, I just turned 40. I have two little ones. I had to decide right there and then, I gotta change my lifestyle. I gotta work less. I got to be more disciplined about the things I do outside of work and the things I do at work. I got to enjoy my family more because the next day, tomorrow is not guaranteed. What's guaranteed is right now, the moment you're living in. So this lady right there changed my life around. Then I started, I, start, I got into triathlons. And I, my, my first goal was okay. I'm gonna do the St. George Ironman. <laughs> Why go with the little ones, right? Why start with a sprint or an Olympic? Yeah. <laughs> a half? No, let's do the big one. Let's do the full 140.6 miles, right? So, so here's the thing. I go to that race. The wind conditions on Sandy Hollow. I don't know if you've been in St. George, but they have like a big reservoir. Mm
2: -hmm. The wind
3: conditions got so bad, even like rescue boats were capsizing. Wow. (laughs) So I got pulled out of the water. And I got my time chip taken away. I got and but they told me, you know what? Once they put me back on the dock, they go. Because conditions are so bad, you can continue with a race. If you quit, you can't continue. But because they had to pull me out of the water, they allowed me to continue with a bike race. So I did, I get on the bike. I do about, I want to say 60, 70 miles. I don't know the exact distance. And I still had to do another, because it's 112 miles. So I still had like 42 more miles to go but I knew that I wasn't going to finish the right way. So I pulled myself out of that race. And I think that's the closest thing to quitting I ever come on doing something. But that race taught me that if you prepare yourself, you will not quit. There might be outside factors that make you quit or pull out but if you prepare yourself you will finish what you set out to do and after that race even though i didn't finish it i've been able to complete three other other ironmans a whole bunch of other olympic distance triathlons and sprint triathlons
1: you know what that uh that story tells me that I don't want to be in an Ironman. You know what I mean? Like that's a long distance, dude. When you say you got 40, I got something like 42 miles left to go. I'm thinking, bro, that's, <laughs> that's a long that's,
3: that's a, a long life. car drive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm out of here, guys. We started this conversation. Mike, you're up to, you say nine, almost 10 miles? Dude, no, so you, you're, you're Sergio, to...
0: you are here to talk to me right now because that's 100%. <laughs> Like in a couple, couple of episodes ago, I, told, I was telling Tyler, I couldn't give blood because my, my heart rate was too fast to give blood. They said, hang out for 15 minutes. You should regulate and it'll be okay. <laughs> 15 minutes later, water bottle, I'm still not okay. Right? So I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm all ears. 45 years old. I don't have the line in my arm. Right. But Don't I'm hearing it. you. I'm hearing you. Last appreciate-
1: episode, you did play a message for us and that was enough. Right. <laughs> like, I, so Sergio, I, I mean, let, let's talk for a second because I, I'm going to get, I want to get back to this, this triathlon part of it too, but t- talk to me how you, how you met Liz and, and, and I want to know what that decision to join the military looked
3: like for you oh man so here's a here's another hinge that changed my whole trajectory of my life how i met liz it was a halloween party at church i see this cute blonde chick and how old are (laughs) are you at this point girl i was 12 she was 11 what yeah, yeah. Hey, here we go. Calm down, calm down, Mike. Let, let me get to <laughs> <laughs> So she, I was twelve, she was eleven, and she was she had uh, roller skates. I was just like a, I don't know. We, I didn't, I couldn't speak English at that time. I just got to El Paso, but we were members of the church. So she meets me right, and she th- makes some snarky remark. That I'm like, who's this girl? In other words, who's, who's this chick, man? Why is she making fun of me? I haven't said anything, but she made fun of me because I couldn't speak English. So that was my first interaction with Liz. <laughs> Obviously, as we get older, uh, we uh, we become we become very good friends because of church. I mean, we go to seminary together. Although we went to different high schools, I would see her daily in Texas. Seminary is at six a.m. And then from there, everybody goes to their different high schools. So me and her, she, she got to see that I was the quiet one, the one that would always help people, that always volunteered to do stuff. Uh, we started becoming really good friends, almost best friends by, by the time uh, we were freshmen in high school. So here comes April Fool's Day, right? 1986. And if you ever get a meter and she'd be like, man, this guy knows the story like the back of his hand. Well, I have to. not <laughs> I get in trouble. So 1986, right? It comes April Fool's Day, right? I go, what do I got to lose? Pretty girl. She's my good friend. Let's ask her out. So I go, hey, you want to be my girlfriend? If she says no, I can say April Fool's. Smart man. I like You're it. What? Yeah. You say, well played. Yes. 28 years later, buddy. Like, <laughs> so, so she said yes. And from that, me and her grew to love each other, respect each other. Me and her, um, we always plan, we always set goals in life to make each other better. When I'm down, uh, when I need to be better, she will call me out on it, like, there's no tomorrow, like, hey, you need to shape up. Here's, I was coming back from deployment, and she's like, you need to get a degree. Here's the registration papers. Go to Southwestern College and register. What am I going to say? No? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I go to school. But when I left for the Navy, because growing up, you know, Mormon kids, right? or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, you're expected to go on a mission. I mean, you're talking to a guy that was deacon's quorum president, teacher's quorum president, priest, first advisor. I mean, I was like, my kids call me now, I'm pre priesthood. But but here's the kicker, right? When I was a junior in high school, I needed to get a job to help mom, dad, with the house. So I go to work for the Marriott Hotel. And in there, I work for about two years. Here comes my senior year. And I apply for a shift supervisor position. I've been there almost two years. I could do just about everything. But this is a kid that is about to graduate from school, no college, but he knows all the knowledge he needs to have to run that shift. They tell me, no, you didn't get the job. We gave it to this other guy that just graduated from Michigan with a business degree. Just got hired maybe like two, three months before me. Before, no, not before me, but before that uh, time. Me being the teenager, senior, senior in high school, like, you know what? I gave you two years of my life and you treat me like this. You have my two week notice on the spot. I gave my two week notice Monday morning, Navy recruiter calls me. Just out of the blue? Out of the blue. Okay. He calls me up. Say, hey, Sergio, we got some program, blah, blah, blah. We want to know if you're interested. I'd never wanted to be in the military because going back to mom, her nightmare was somebody would join the military. I knew that, but I went with it. And I told her before I left, I go, hey, I'm going to go talk to this Navy recruiter, see what they got to offer me. And you know what mom said? Mijo, whatever you do, I'll support. So that Navy recruiter brainwashed me, man. He told me, you want to get to see the world? You're going to get to to have experiences that, you know, like nobody ever will but what he felt to <laughs> me is that I was going to be scrubbing toilets I was going to be living with people <laughs> that smoke on the berthing compartments that didn't live the word of <laughs> the word of wisdom chastity I mean we will hit ports these guys you know they were sailors yeah so I got in that environment uh So when I told Liz that I was joining the Navy, I went to boot camp. Honestly, in boot camp, receiving a letter from home back in the eighties, 89, no email, none of that stuff yet. It was regular mail, letter card, you know, cards. Uh, The hardest, the, the best thing in boot camp is you receive mail from your family. Well, I would receive a letter from mom every week. One or two from my sister who was serving a mission in Puerto Rico at that time. And then my dad, he would tell my mom to give me a little message and my little one. But who was I missing it from? Liz. She was mad at me that I didn't go on a mission. Mm. So it took her six weeks to write me a letter. (laughs) And here's the kicker. In boot camp, you get assigned jobs. I was the mail petty officer, which means I would go every day, collect all the mail received for the boot camp company, and then distribute it. How do you think I felt? It's like, man, I will read hundreds of letters here, 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 <laughs> and I didn't see one from this. So finally, she wrote me a letter. And she did say, hey, you know what? My goal was to marry a return missionary, and do this, do this, do this, you know, all church-based. But I think at the time she didn't realize was that my testimony of the gospel was so solid, even when I was just a teenager, that nothing could deviate, you know, make me quit, maybe move, go astray. You know, I'm not perfect by any means. I have my, my faults, my shortcomings, my weaknesses. But I always knew, oh, here's another thing. I always knew that I had to stay in church. One of the best advices that I ever received was from this old man, Simon Suniga. When they announced at church, you know, back then they used to have priesthood opener exercises. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my brother was serving in the bishopric at that time, but he announced that I was leaving for the Navy. So this old guy gets up and says, Sergio, I, I can only give you this advice. I know you're not going on a mission, but you're going to go serve your country. You're going in the Navy. The advice I can give you this, is this. If you always keep your two feet inside the church, no matter where you go, you will be okay. To this day, I keep my feet well planted inside the church and I live the gospel and I can tell you I've been blessed beyond measure just by following that advice. Where did we, it,
0: where did it become something? Right. What did it become? We're, we're always, we're always curious to know in, in your, your journey of faith where it became a source of power in your life. Right instead of just doing what everyone expected you to do, or you went to church because mom took you to church, can you look back on your life and point to an experience or a moment where faith became real to you?
3: I would say this. uh, Me and Liz were already married, and uh, I was deployed to South America. We were doing a deployment around South America well Central America uh, and we were out to sea for more than two weeks and I couldn't get a hold of Liz. every time I would go to por- uh, arrive on a port first thing I would do go call see how she's doing but throughout that time me being out to sea not being able to call her get in touch with her I knew there was something wrong at home and once I got to Panama, I called her. I go, hey, everything okay? She said, no, I've been sick for the past two weeks. But me not realizing that she was sick, I, I pray my heart out. Please pr- protect my, my wife. She's alone in San Diego. Because remember, all my family is in Texas. All of, Both of our families in Texas. Please protect her make sure she's doing okay, blah, blah, blah. When she tells me that she was sick for the past two weeks, but now she's better, my prayers are answered. We couldn't talk, but I knew there was something not right at home. But me praying, keeping that faith, knowing that if I pray sincerely, I will get answers, that she will be protected. That's a confirmation of higher power when you truly pray sincerely and those are the answers you need at the time you'll receive them
1: i love that man i it i i've had the the opportunity to um to to get to know liz a little bit and uh and she's a powerhouse man she's uh um she's the engine you know. But but Sergio, what is, how has Liz been a source of power for you in your life?
3: You know how I always talk about my mom uh, working hard uh, and trying to serve others? When Liz, uh, when we came to to San Diego, she wanted to be a marine biologist. But obviously that means me being a an E-4 in the Navy, not making a lot of money. Uh, College uh, was too expensive. So she decided to go junior college, Southwestern College, and then San Diego State. She saw that her future as a marine biologist wasn't gonna pan out, but she understood that she could be a teacher. So she became a teacher, a biology and a chemistry teacher. For, uh, at Castle Park high School I mean she would work long hours she would really care about the students being a, a good example uh, being like a second mom to a ton of them I mean to this day kids that she taught in high school they can they come and hey miss Carsoli how you doing you know here's my kids or now, she she she's an administrator at a charter school. Those kids have kids, and they're they call yeah they they call. But she got her doctorate now, right? So that's another thing. Like she's the part, she's the doctor in the house. That's right. Um, we call Doctor Carzoli. Yeah. So they go Doctor Carzoli. I think she outranks you. No, oh, she outranked me the, the day I met her, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. They'll tell. They'll tell her. They'll tell their little kid, "This is the teacher, my, my biology teacher in high school." Some of those kids have gone to become educators. There was she. She. She won't say you. You know her, Tyler. She. She won't brag about herself. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say much, but she, she carries a lot of power when she speaks. Um. She, she was an educator of the year uh, a couple of years back. And you know how she won that award? This girl, who I think is a teacher now, wrote a letter to the committee describing how late Miss Carsoli stayed with her to tutor her, to guide her, to show her the ropes of how to be successful. And there's countless of kids that she'd done that. So Absolutely. when you say what kind of influence, I got to live up to her. She, she's the rock. And, and you know how, you say, how I told you knowledge is power? Even though now she's on the uh, administrator side of things, I ask her, how does this work? But I want to hear the scientific side of things. Dude, she gave me like a two-hour lesson. She went deep <laughs> into cells molecules and i'm like wow so knowledge is power I, I love it man hey sergio sorry. thinking thinking about that
0: 20 year old sergio are you living just a sec sorry sorry triggered siri hey sergio thinking about that uh 20 year old sergio are you living the life that you thought you would be living right now
3: oh no completely different um Growing up, one thing that me and my mom would talk, uh, she would ask me, what do you want to be? And i go, I want to be a teacher in languages. I want to teach people how to speak different languages. But you know the man upstairs has his own plan for you. I'm far from it now. Uh, I never thought, I even tell this to my, my son. When I was 20, I wanted to be this. I didn't want to be doing logistics for the Navy. I've been a Navy guy for 31 years now. Whether I was enlisted in uniform, a contractor working for the Navy, or now civil service for the government, for the Navy. Far removed from what I wanted to be as a 20-year-old.
1: Can I I jump in there for a second? Because, Sergio, I I think that that's funny. I mean, a teacher of languages, first of all, I love that, man, but you know, I, I just, I think about teaching, right. And I, and we think we talk about educating and we talk about uh, powerful examples and, and here's where, here's where the lines for me become blurry, right. Because, you know, I, I look, I look at you and I think teacher, right. I think, I think someone who, uh, like we're we're t- Mike Mike's saying tonight. Well, I, I'm taking notes because Sergio's talking to me, right? But I'm taking notes listening to Sergio, and I'm thinking that that, and and I've been in the same room as Sergio when he's teaching, right? And and things are being taught, and so I I love that idea that you know sometimes we. We have in our head this vision of what things will be or should be or could be, and then we get, we get in the boat and then the, the, the winds blow and the waves come and we end up in a different direction somewhere else and we think, man, how far removed am I from that person? And I've been in rooms where you've taught people how to speak languages. Right. And we, we won't, we're not, we are i am not talking about English or Spanish or anything else. Right. But the things that are said, we talk about those, those humble, uh, powerful people. And that's, those are the things when, when we, I, what I love about this podcast is that question about hinge moments, right? Cause we all, we all think, okay, this is that hinge moment. I've been in rooms where those hinge moments have happened, where you've been speaking. And I think that it's important that we recognize that, right? That even though the storm pushed us in a different direction, we're still, we, we've still been shaped. We're still able to, to, to have that same kind of impact that maybe, you know, we thought, well, that it's not even part of my life anymore, you know,
0: but- uh, I, I love that idea of that wind, right? I don't want to drift- Right. <clears throat> but that driven driven yeah. by that wind. Uh I I think is I you know last last week's episode A Leaf in the Stream. Yeah. Don't fight it. Go with it. Navy recruiter. Sure. I'll hear you out. Feels right. Talk to mom. Mom says I'll support go. <laughs> yeah. And wow. so and so uh you know so Liz boycotts for 6
3: weeks. <laughs> Hardest six weeks of my life. Look,
1: can I, can I just, I, I love that thought too, Mike, because, and I've shared this with Sergio many times, but you know, ether chapter six.
0: Absolutely. Right. I mean, absolutely.
1: we were driven in the direction of the promised land. Right.
0: Yeah. The Lord Lord is in the wind.
1: Right. At the, in the, in the moment, we're just in a storm getting the crap kicked out of us. Right. But, lo and behold, we're ending up right where we're supposed to be. And I think that I think that's powerful. I think that that's it's important for for us to, to recognize that and I know you know Mike, you and I' have had these conversations. Sergio, you and I have had these conversations about um, understanding that uh, that we get pushed in the direction the Lord wants us to be in you know And I just think I'm just listening to your, your journey from a young boy coming on into El Paso, watching your mom, right. Give you this example, um, of, of faith and of, of hard work of sacrifice, uh, you know, talking about your wrestling coach and the idea of don't give up and grind it out and, and work through it and find solutions. And now, uh, here you are, 28 years married to Dr. Carzoli. Right. And you've got two, two kids of your own. How, how do you convey these lessons that you've taught us tonight? How does that look when you're teaching your kids? How do you teach them about faith? How do you teach them about hard work? How do you teach them about always moving forward?
3: Well, um, I follow the example of my mom and dad and I haven't spoken much about my dad uh, but how do I teach my kids by being the the best example I can if your kids are calling you Peter priesthood <laughs> that, that means you you're like hey that guy is for real he's <laughs> he's committed and actually that's the title they give me the you're Peter preacher. I'm like, well, I'm far from it. But I'm committed to the covenants I made, to the, the principles I was raised with, to the faith, to the, to the experiences, to my testimony that I gained. Yeah, at one point, you're a little kid, right? They tell you, go to church, do this, do this, do this. I got baptized, honestly, guys, to the church because my mom got baptized. To this day, my dad is not a member of the church, but my mom was, so I did what mom did. But through my life, there have been moments where I have to be on my knees, praying to that higher power for help. How can I guide my kids to do this? My kids haven't been the perfect ones, but still like looking have,
0: we're still we're still looking for those yeah i don't but know like, anybody yeah, i don't but, but like I don't I have think perfect
3: should. right he's there listening to me every time i mess up he picked me up come on keep moving it's a long it's a marathon not just a sprint uh, Well, i
0: think i think i think one of the most important things that we can do is dads is to not necessarily model the screw-ups but teach our kids that it's okay to not be perfect.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. I, I say all the time, right? We don't know He's, we don't know Jesus Christ is our Savior without being saved, without being delivered from our own mess, yes. without having that feeling of, hey, the guilt for that is swept away. And we yes. ask ourselves, right? How's that done? Yeah. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. He's atoned for your mistakes. It's okay. Right. Yeah. And I think our kids, man, if we can be intentional about teaching that, because I think that there's just an, an implied pressure. They got, they got to be on all the time. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't be on all the time because I know half of my genes are in you.
3: there's no way there's no way way you're going to go through this without messing things up but but mike the best thing you can do what what can what's the best way you can be a parent is when they mess up you pick them up and you say you know what i still love you no matter what
0: no matter what
3: but 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 i expect you to do better because you're better than that
2: yeah
3: and and i mean it might sound like cliche like oh you're better than that but at the end of the day, if we don't learn from our mistakes, we won't make any progress. We'll go back to the same thing. And when you say what are successful people, right? There are those people that have failed time and over again and again. They get up and they keep moving.
1: Yeah, I think I think the more the more powerful message, you know, and Mike, you you, you just mentioned this and and Sergio, you do too, but is that, you know, we model, we want to model perfection on some level. You know, we want to show like, this is, this is what it's supposed to look like. And you know what it's supposed to look like? It's probably just supposed to look like forgiveness, right? It's probably supposed to look like compassion, right? It's probably supposed to look like mercy and not like, uh, my my perfectly uh pressed white shirt and my you know in and my suit on a Sunday morning. Yeah,
0: you know, it's supposed to look like the equation: me plus Christ is enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because it. yeah, and and when we have kids, which we will all admit, right? They're our most precious commodity. We've got them when we and we all are like, we're all in this phase of life, all three of us, where you know Mike's got to daughter that just he just dropped off at college a few months ago and and you know i've got the right grace freeman
0: choose the right
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're watching uh (laughs) (laughs) quinn's getting ready to go on a mission you've got samantha moving to spain you've got sergio that's got plans i know he was mentioning some of his plans to me the other day and uh, you you know we've got these things happening and and what we want is their happiness and and if i could convey any message to my kids. It would be when you, you err, right? The path back is easy, right? You, you can come back, embrace it. I want to pick you up, brush you off, set your feet back on the trail and say, let's get after it.
0: Maybe simple, maybe not easy. Maybe. Maybe maybe i I think
1: uh, yeah i yeah i'm right we can we can maybe pick a better word there but i think that we overcomplicate that and and we 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 make it harder
0: than it should be okay but do we but what do we do to make it harder is it we freak out sometimes well well, yeah yeah when the mistake happens we're not necessarily in like a forgiveness mode.
1: No. And, and, and I, think, I think part of that too, even let's, let's take us out of the equation. I think that if I want my children to know that if they can forgive themselves, right? And, 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 and push themselves back up, that they're going to be okay, right? They're going to be okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall down. It's okay to screw up. As long as we learn from that, we brush ourselves off, we put our feet, like Sergio said, back in the church, right? Back on the path. And we say,
0: I'm ready to move forward. Because I think think sometimes- You got to make it right where you've made it, where you did wrong. It's on you to do everything you can to make it right. And understand that there are some things that you can't fix. Right. And that's where- he's there. Right. right.
1: And I think too, that we, we become our worst, we become our worst enemies. Right. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've told people like
0: oh, the the not- only
1: thing holding you back right now is you. As soon as you make the decision that I'm moving forward, then it's done. We're moving right. The, pr- the momentum picks back up. So I, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's hard when your kids are, when we're there, where we're at, right? When they're young, Sergio, I we got them easy, right? We got them, man. You, you got to do what I say. You me I, kids, right? I gonna,
0: can you imagine if you approached a problem, right? Maybe a kid problem at school. If you walked into that setting and said, can we all agree right now that there are three parties involved here and we're all a third responsible, Right. Can we just own the fact that I'm not here to blame you cuz part of it's me, part of it's the kid, part of right like but let's own our stuff because Tyler you said it and we should say it every freaking episode. The only person holding me back is me. From whatever I'm dreaming, from whatever I think I can do out there Go bloody do it. Yeah. When I right. just think about your accountability ladder, right? Yeah. Own it. Find solutions. That, the, you as own. you go up, you right. become more powerful, even yeah. as an agent unto yourself. Yeah. Yep. Sergio, what, Sergio, what would you say to that, that 20-year-old Sergio, if you could?
3: Keep moving forward. The, the future is bright. Don't quit now. You're too far in to quit. Yeah. <laughs> You're, You're you know out. what? Uh, I ju- I just I just turned over fifty, right? And I'm thinking the next ten years is gonna set me up for what I'm gonna do after I retire from work. My goal was to retire at fifty, and I could have. But I, I'm too young. There's policies in place that won't allow me to withdraw from my my <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, but You'd have I to recycle a lot, lot
0: of cans. Yeah, right
3: I, I, I got to yeah, I got a, a lot more to give to the Navy, from a guy that came from, you know, an E one kid. That yeah, I got I got good at fixing radars, and I got good at, at my craft of what I do now, because of the knowledge I gained.
0: Ooh, that sounded high tech and like confidential. Like he can't say it. It sounds top secret. Uh, it's there's okay. a, there's a Almost like we need a disclaimer. Yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, they're, they're no longer in service, so you're allowed to say
0: it. <laughs> Hey, uh, i Remember that. Sergio, <laughs> standing stand yeah. stand where you are now, what are you afraid of?
3: Again, we go back to, to my family. I'm afraid not to live up to their expectations. Because if I expect them to be better, I got to set that mark and I got to live up to it. Although I'm not perfect, every day I got to get up and strive to be that better person of me. Because if they see me putting the effort, just like I saw my mom, just like I, I see my dad, my dad is 80. He just turned 80 this year. That guy still works still works <laughs> every day he gets up although he's not religious he does his prayer whatever sends his thoughts to the to the guy upstairs take care of me and I'm gonna go do something good he goes and work every day at 80 dude at 80 I want to be taking care of my garden or do something now this guy still goes works works on his car you know if if my brother or one of the her grandkids his grandkids call him up. Hey, I need this. He does it. No questions. He goes and serves. I gotta be better than my dad and my mom. So when my kids grow up and they have their own kids, they can mimic that example that I was, the example that my parents were for were for me. So that way sometimes they don't you don't even have to say anything, but your actions will tell that person this is how you got to do it to succeed in life.
0: So what does an iron man do to be better? (laughs) Like I've never even asked that question. I don't know very many iron men. Uh, Shout out to the, I think I, I think I actually know some iron women.
3: Let let me, (laughs) let me, let me put a disclaimer here. In order for you to be called an iron man, you got to be crossing that line after 146, 140.6 miles after you swim, you bike, and you run a full marathon. Then you cross the line. Then you get to be called a, an Ironman. I never got to do that because they pulled me out of the water, blah, 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 right? But another, again, another old guy, and this is something that uh, an old guy that was there helping people Cole, here's the swimming uh, starting line. Uh, He says, you know what? A lot of people think that just crossing the line, you become the Ironman. But what people don't realize that, it took me a year to prepare for this race. It takes about a year to prepare for that race, to be able to swim uh, 2.4 miles to bike ride 112 miles and then you get off the bike and you run a full marathon 26.2 miles I was in shape. I think Tyler we got to the we got called to the bishopric I was like 198. I was like solid. I was like great Svelte. To go. Svelte. <laughs> yeah. And and but I conditions beyond my control and did not allow me to finish that race. So you ask, what does an Ironman do to be better? Is you hone your craft, your mental capacity here, because in reality, that's, the stress you put your body to is like the brain. When I was doing the, the half Ironmans in Oceanside, I can tell you after the bike, uh, riding to up and down Camp Pendleton, the last one I did, I was completely dead. I was exhausted. And that's only 70.3 70. miles. That's it? Yeah. Oh, that's man. it. Uh, I get off the bike, right? And my legs are shot. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can, I cannot really run. But there's something on your brain that says you got 13.1 miles to go. And you go. I'm running, right? There's two loops. And on the, I get out to like maybe mile 11 or 12. And at that point on the second loop, you can actually hear, you can you can hear the finish line. And at that point I'm like, so dead. I'm like, I, I, go, I say, I'm gonna run 30, 30 seconds and rest 30 seconds, run 30 seconds. So for you runners that are starting, <laughs> run 30 seconds <laughs> and then walk 30 seconds, but you just gotta keep moving. I say, okay, I'm gonna run. And I wouldn't run. I would just walk. So now you train yourself to, at the end of the day, you got to finish no matter what. That's the goal. You can do it in four hours. You can do it in eight hours, but you got to finish. That's the goal. So I want to bring this together with how how can you be a better uh, parent? My daughter, Samantha, It was like mile 12 and a half, I guess. She realized that daddy wasn't going to finish. Wasn't going to finish on the right time. So she runs. She finds me like a, a half a mile away from the finish line. And she goes, dad, you got this. Let's go. And she actually starts running next to me. She brought me home. So at the end of the day, you want to be that parent that you have raised your kids the right way. So when you need to be brought home, they're there to pull you in.
0: Love it, man. Yeah. Now, You know what? You took away all of my good feelings about the three miles I ran today. <laughs> <laughs> like hang a 30 on it, Mike. Come on, slacker.
3: <laughs> it's all up here, Mike. It's on <laughs> your brain. It's all in your brain.
0: You know what, I don't think I have that piece of my brain that says go do that. <laughs> keep going, right? my, or keep keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I got a 13.1 on my car. I got a sticker it does, on my car. Man.
1: That's right? nice. Hey, there you go. I got nothing close to that.
0: <laughs> You'll get
1: there. Sergio, what what gives you hope these days?
3: Hope is that I know how I raise my kids they're going to do good for somebody else for my own, for my, for my, when I get to have grandkids, hopefully, hope, hopefully they can follow the example that me and Liz have been for them. I mean, they seen us go to school. Sergio didn't know me really for the first two years of his life. He knew that dad went to work. He came home. He played with him while he was doing schoolwork. Uh, they seen Liz go through her masters to her doctorate, put in the work, serving a church. So the hope that I that gives me hope is that they seen those examples of people that work and serve, that they can pay it forward. Uh, uh, a lady at work, she 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 made that comment to me one time. I honestly don't believe. People get up each day to do bad, to fail in life. I honestly believe that there's a ton of us that get up each day to do better for others, to serve others, to lift those who who have fallen, to encourage those who are on their way, to celebrate those who have finished. That's what gives me hope.
0: Sergio, we have uh we've loved our time with you tonight. And uh, we always end it with the same question. You know, uh we're coming up on uh Christmas season. The movie It's a Wonderful Life has our hero, George Bailey, and there's a war hero, a younger brother, Harry Bailey, comes into town and closes out the the movie by raising a glass and toasting his big brother, George, the richest man in town. We're trying to chase that. We're trying to look for guys that have lessons to teach us, and we've been taught tonight. We appreciate the life that you're living. We appreciate the lessons that you've shared. What does it mean to you, Sergio, to be the richest man in town?
3: Well, Mike and Tyler, before before I answer that question, uh, thank you for the opportunity to share a small part of my life, my life experiences. I mean, life is full of challenges, but it's the attitude you have when you face those challenges that make a big difference. Like my mom said, uh, Al mal tiempo ponle buena cara, and everything will turn out at the end." Give, it, give face challenges with a cheerful face, and every face, and everything will work out at the end. Uh, I haven't shared with you guys my, my life model. But this is something that I developed along the way. And to answer the question, what does it mean to be the richest man in in town? I will answer by sharing my my life model with you guys and your listeners, your millions of listeners. And here it is. I will leap, leap, L-E-A-P, through life by making the most of myself because that is all I have to give to others. What LEAP means is that I will love what I do. I'll be excited about doing it. I will have the audacity to make change for better. And I will pray to give thanks for the guidance provided. So my friends, LEAP through life, and you will also be a rich man. Thank you, Mike and Tyler.
0: Sergio, listen, man. Just give him the show. Just yeah, give him the show, you, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're done, Sergio. Uh, next Thursday, you got a guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sergio, in, in all in all honesty, I I'm uh, I'm grateful for tonight. Um, you know, it, I I've known you for a long time, and what I know is this: lots of people need to know Sergio Carzoli. That's it, right? I mean, and I hope tonight with our 15 faithful listeners, <laughs> our millions of listeners, let me correct that. They're going to hear you. And and I and I know, I know this because it's happened to Mike and I over and over and over again that someone's going to listen to what you said tonight and it's going to make an impact in their life. It's impacted me, you know, every time I'm around you, I want to be better. And to me, that's the sign of a powerful person, right? We go back to the beginning. That's the sign of a powerful person. So I'm grateful for you. I love you. And uh, you are truly one of the richest men in town. And, and uh, it's been a blast tonight, man.
0: Thank you, Sergio. Thank you for your lessons. Uh, tr- I don't know how this works. I know you through Tyler, You come on my show and you talk to me. You talk to my heart and you teach me some things that Mike Freeman needs to know today. So thank you. Thank you for that, man. Thank you, guys. Okay. Hug your wife. Spend some time with that daughter before she takes off.
3: Four weeks. Four (laughs) weeks, man. Alright. All the world's sorry. a small place. Spain That's isn't right. that far
2: away.
1: That's right. Tell Dr. Carzoli we said hi, alright?
3: Sure sure alright. Have a good night. Good night. Good idea, Ernie, a toast. <laughs> to my big brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs>